Diamond. D-I-A-M-O-N-D. A precious gem of the most valuable kind. When pure, it is clear. Diamond. D-I-M-O-N-D. A family name bringing traditions of love, hard work, and moral values. This is the Diamond Education Podcast. With my mom and dad, Johnny and Kelly England. Welcome to the Diamond Education Podcast with John and Kelly England. We're here to help you find the most valuable education for your child. We are excited today. We have Annalisa White, who is the principal and founder of White House Academy, a small religious private school that focuses on the principles of freedom. A former homeschooling mom, Annalisa has a degree in English literature and technical writing from Brigham Young University and has over 20 years of curriculum writing experience. She lives with her husband and Uh, and children in Vernal, Utah, and is anxiously engaged in developing children through education. Annalisa, welcome to the Diamond Education Podcast. Thank you. It's great to be with you. Yeah, it's so good to have you here. And uh, we always like to begin our podcast with the question, what is education? And I can give you my best go at that. It's um, (laughs) definitely an eternal pursuit. I think that education is edification and especially in our vernacular, I think it refers to academics, but we like to think in our school of educating the whole child. Yeah. Oh, I love that. The eternal, the internal aspect of it, Annalisa. That is so beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. And I I love that as well. Just that idea of, um, you know, it's edifying as well, right? So that idea of like building us up as we go through, uh, the the education process and stuff like that. So, um, so, so you're living in rural Utah and your children are getting ready to begin education in the public school, but you chose to homeschool instead. Uh, it, do I have that right? Yes. Yeah, yes. I homeschooled for 20 years, including while I was starting the White House Academy. So nice. a little and bit so- of dual enrollment. <laughs> okay. So why did you choose to homeschool and and maybe even begin White House Academy? So I I guess there's that's two different questions. I'll go with why we started the school. So my grandfather, H. Verlin Anderson, he started the American Heritage School in American Fork, Utah, a few years before I was born. And my family's been involved with that school ever since. And so it's his influence, really, that led me to start White House Academy. And there are a lot of reasons why um, personally in our family that that was a a good choice, beginning with homeschooling. We felt like we could do more, we could do better, that we wanted the very best for our children. And we wanted to be able to um, give them our values, which, you know, anymore aren't really welcome in the public school setting. And we feel like at our school that, and in our home that the whole truth is what we want to teach. And that includes keeping God in education. So we felt like it was important that we were able to have a religious foundation and to speak freely of those parts of reality that make a complete and whole education. Oh, I love that, Annalisa. So um, I don't know if you know much of our history, but we just recently started homeschooling a few years ago. And those are some of the similar things we found that one spiritual is a big aspect of the education process and what our kids were missing in the public education system and the difference it has made 
when we have changed in the education process and even the incitement of learning when you bring in the spiritual aspect of God. It really does help to round it all out, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So you mentioned that your grandfather was one of the founders. Was he the founder or he was a founder of American Heritage, right? He was. He was the Mm -hmm. founder. My grandma helped him. And then he also had um, some that assisted him that he worked with there at BYU that were um, also interested in providing a better education for their children and grandchildren. And it's really neat that today, um, so many of my grandpa's great grandchildren are attending the school that he started. And I kind of think he might have had that long term perspective knowing the direction that society was going and, and wanting to have a place where truth could be taught. So yeah. I feel like I followed in his footsteps and yeah. have created something like that for the rural area that we live in out here. Oh, I love that. Cause rural, that is one thing we found is they need more options in the rural area. So I'm glad you've brought that. to rural. Well, and there, I think there's also a, a myth surrounding rural communities regarding schools of choice that it will maybe destroy like the public education system or things like that. And so I I guess I'll just ask you, has your school, your little school, has that destroyed the public school in Vernal? (laughs) (laughs) Far from it. We're barely a crumb fleck in that numbers game. No. And I think that when you give people a choice about their education, that not only does it allow parents to make better decisions for their children, but it benefits the whole community. And in particular, it benefits the public schools as well. Mm-hmm. Because anytime you introduce competition, you also introduce quality. Yeah. Competition creates quality. And so it's just good for everyone. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I actually do a lot of research in this area in my my day job. The podcast is not my day job, um, but I do a lot of research in that. And what you've said is exactly correct, that um, whenever there is choices available to people, the quality of all education rises. You know, it's the the idea that, you know, the rising tide lifts all boats, right? And so that, and, and that is true. Like, so places like Florida and Arizona that have these really robust education choice programs, like Utah just passed, um, they, their public education students also started to achieve more academically and have a higher quality of education as well. And so that is something that, that you do see in the research. That's wonderful. Yeah. Um, how did the influence of, uh, your grandfather starting American Heritage influenced your decision to begin White House Academy? I think that there's a lot of power in seeing it done. When you can see an end result, it's a lot easier to have the end in mind. And seeing what he had accomplished and knowing that that was a great option is what gave us the catalyst that we could begin something like that as well. Awesome. So and being there- able to be associated with it closely as I have been over the years uh, and continue to be, I, I feel like um, we have a really good insight and look into how that's achieved. And one of the things that was very important to my grandfather was that the Book of Mormon would be studied, at, that it's a, an excellent way for students to understand the principles of freedom and agency 
and to know what's going on in the world today by studying that book. So we use that in our school. We incorporate those principles as we study all of our subjects. And we have a particular emphasis on leadership and government, mm-hmm. um, which is which is one of the areas that the Book of Mormon really helps to illuminate. So what age range is it that you serve? And then um, I guess what's a typical day look like for a student? And I, I'm, I'm assuming you have a wide variety of ages, so it will look different probably for different age ranges, but... Sure. So we do begin with pre-K. If students um, age four are brought, then we serve pre-K all the way up through eighth grade. And we are also um, looking toward adding the high school ages one grade at a time. So we're starting to do that and prepare for a full high school. Um, A typical day just always begins with devotional. You know, whatever grade they're in, we start with a, a devotional. On Monday mornings, the beginning of the week, we start as a school-wide devotional, and the rest of the week, it's in their individual classrooms. Each homeroom has the opportunity to present that school devotional on Mondays on a rotating basis, which is a great opportunity for our students to develop some public speaking skills and some leadership skills, as well as the content of the devotion. Um, After the devotional, we go through um, math and language arts. And we do this all together, um, kindergarten through eighth grade, in order that we can teach on levels. Because at this point, rather than being broken down by their ages, they're broken down by levels. So that they're able to study at the level of math or the level of spelling or the level of writing that they are at. So that they're continually challenged, but not overwhelmed. It's a really good opportunity for students to just be met where they are in a classroom setting, which I feel like is really the best of of both worlds, having done, you know, homeschooling, individual work, as well as being in classrooms. And our classrooms are small. We average 16 students in a classroom. And then after our morning um, classes and the skills work, then there's recess and lunch and break as our older students study Spanish. And then we always have history and literature. And then we have our afternoon classes, which are varied anywhere between science to drama, to art, music, and the leadership and government that I mentioned that all of the grades participate in. Wow. I love the variety and the, all your, the topics you're covering and yeah, it's awesome. And, and I love the idea of having the, the children being not necessarily broken down by age bands, but also by but by their where they're at, just meeting them where they're at and helping them to grow their skills. So if it is, you know, they're not all children learn how to read at the exact same time. And so, right. you know, I think forcing them into a certain thing can really affect their ability to uh, feel confident and love learning, right? Absolutely. When, when you keep it on their level, and what, where they're at. And, you know, you challenge them a little bit beyond where they think they can go and keep them moving. Like that's a lot more motivating for, for children, I think. It is. And we've seen that a lot of self-confidence is developed because of that. They just feel like they're successful and that they are progressing. It really is. It's uh, effective. Yeah. Well, and you having 11 children and us five, you find that each of them excel in different areas 
Absolutely. At times. <laughs> like we have some that do better at math, some that do better at science, some that do better at uh, language arts, you know, so the opportunity for them to excel and take time maybe in another area is awesome. So yeah. yeah, they have different talents and they have different interests and they have different personalities that you you sometimes have to um, deal with in different ways. And so it's it's important to look at the child as an individual mm-hmm. and and really those principles of the gospel that are, you know, individuality and individual responsibility are so important to instill mm-hmm. in the children from the very beginning. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really, I think, really important what you just said there, that the individuality, we are all individuals, we're not all the same. And being able to customize an education for children, I think is such an important part of um, just the education process of, of building that love of learning, like we talked about. Um, when we spoke earlier, um, on the phone before our interview, but um, when we did that, you mentioned um, parents and how important they are in your school. Can you talk a little bit about the parent experience at White House Academy? Sure. Um, let me begin by just laying out that we have three pillars that our school is founded on, and that's faith, family, and freedom. And so we've talked a little bit about faith and that we have all of our subjects and methods that are based on the restored gospel. But family is such an integral part of of that itself, but also one of our particular focuses. We believe that parents absolutely have the authority, the responsibility, and the privilege of raising their children. And our mission is to assist families. And so you'll see parents in our school all the time. We have a very robust parent volunteer organization And parents are involved um, not only in offering service and being involved in extracurricular, but you also see them in the classroom, sometimes on a regular basis, as they are trying to help make decisions and support their child. And and that's what we're there to do is to assist them in that. So parents are really important, and you'll see it in our curriculum. You'll see it in our methods and policies. Parents always feel very welcome and in fact, they're a very important part. We don't we don't just take the child and educate them and give them back, but we feel like we work together as a team to help educate the children. Yeah, that, that's so important because research does show the kids that the family is involved are the ones that do really well, and I think that's an important key of education is the family involvement, and I. I love that you support the family because we found at times, you know, um, that we didn't receive that support in other education opportunities our children had, but I love that you guys support that. So, yeah. Yeah, Nothing can really take the place of a parent and we absolutely don't ever try to usurp that authority or Mm -hmm. or responsibility. So yeah, yeah, parents are super important in, in their I mean, they're the, they're the key in a child's development. And, uh, and so we really feel like honoring that position for the parent's sake, but also in showing the child that we honor that we are teaching them those values as well. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's really, really good. Um, so, uh, what was it like starting a school in rural Utah? Like what difficulties did you run into and, and what was that process like? 
I do get asked this a fair amount and I'll have to just be honest, it is hard. And um, I think probably the biggest challenge is because we have such a small population number, the, the very numbers make it difficult to support something that's unusual, that's outside of the norm like this. Um, a lot of times people say, yeah, your competition is free. How do you compete with free? Yeah, <laughs> and so it, it really has been challenging to do that and to just make it all work out. But we've been very blessed. And there are people who have expressed that we're the answer to their prayers. Um, we have others who just feel like it's a better fit for their child. Um, and we're able to serve people for a lot of different reasons. We have quite a variety and a mixture of of students, both on academic levels, of course, demographics. So we have quite a, a variety of different kinds of students that attend this school. Um, sometimes people think, well, private schools, you know, they skim the cream of the crop. It's not necessarily the case. We see all kinds of students and we serve anyone who wants to come and do better. If they're willing to keep the rules, if they're willing to work hard, we can help them. I love that. Well, and what I love, Annalisa, about that is because those were comments were made even this year because we're involved up at the Capitol, the cream of the crop. And I yeah. thought that was the saddest <laughs> statement that they said that because I was like, each of these children are children of God and they are the cream of the crop. You know, like Absolutely. they just need they need the opportunity and be shown that they are the cream of the crop, you know? And so it was, I, when the, that was said, I was at the Capitol, I was like, oh, how sad that we are saying there is the cream of crop. Cause every child, even the one that's struggling, he needs an education yeah. and can have that education that fits. They're all, yeah. They're all just as valuable as the next one. And I, yeah. and I don't think, I think you're right. I don't think it's um, fair to, to put our students into categories like that and say, oh, here's the good students and here's the bad students. And, uh -huh. um, but you're right. And anyone that genuinely wants to learn, no matter where they are with behavior, with academics, with family support, they have potential. Absolutely. And, and so we can help them. Yeah. Well, and just with our five children, we found like, you know, we had one that maybe didn't excel as much in the public school with the classes but then when we found a fit for her she did excel yeah. you know like and went above and beyond and so I I think it's really sad when we do put them in those categories and then it goes on to those kids right like I'm not the cream of the crop or I'm not smart where your school's given the opportunity to excel when they're ready right. in what and what talents and abilities they are in and yeah, let them discover their divine potential and their individual worth. And it's just, it's a, a much more beautiful model to look at it that way. And I think one of the most important things that we offer is the atmosphere of love. Mm -hmm. That's the number one qualification for our teachers is that they love children. Yeah. And then if they, if they love children, then we'll look at what are your the rest of the qualifications, you know, how experienced you are, how educated you are, but you can be experienced and educated and not be a good fit. If you don't love children, yeah. Yeah. they need to feel loved in order to truly learn. Yeah, And, and so being able to instill those feelings into them through the spirit and by inviting the spirit into the school on a regular basis, it's, it's our, mm -hmm. our goal to always have that there. 
not only enhances their ability to learn, but their ability to feel and progress as a person, as a, as, you know, self-worth um, as an individual, their value as a child of God. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And, and uh, so we have children who attend a religious school and it's the similar statements of, you know, if you start a day with a prayer, your day looks a lot more different <laughs> than, you know, you don't, you it have less problems, you know, yeah. there's, it's the kids just when they are understanding the principles and their self-worth and the spiritual is brought in you don't have a lot of the problems that other schools may have. So it's true. That's true. So God knows what he's doing. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't want my children anywhere else. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And and one of the things I think you said that was really um, important was um, no, it was that idea of, you know, all, all children. This is something that you said that I thought was really important is that, you know, all children have this ability to, to bloom and grow, you know, like, but not all flowers bloom at the same time. Right. And sometimes it's at different times. And so the fact that your model is focused on, um, on, on allowing children to progress at their own rate and, and okay, I'm in this group right now, but that doesn't mean in a month I'll still be in that group. Right. I mean, I, like I can, I can progress past this group when I'm ready to, and yes. I just think that's such a an important aspect. And then another thing that we we mentioned too is uh you know the idea that we're taking all the best students out of the public system. The ones who are leaving the public system are the ones where the public system isn't working for them. Like that that's clear across I, like all the data. I believe uh, it. Yeah, that's that's true. People who yeah. are looking for something else because they're not finding satisfaction are generally yeah. not the ones who are succeeding the, at the, the system. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I love that too. The We keep going back to your model, but I love because we did have one child that was supposedly doing well in math in the system. And then we brought her home and we're, we're more involved and realized there were some concepts she missed mm-hmm. and was it, and it, she was kept being moved on, you know, and then to be like, that's not what we want. We want her to understand the actual concepts and get a good understanding because it will hurt her later on. You know, it, it's not about the race, you know, and then it's hard when they're stuck in peer groups of the same age too, because then they do feel dumb if they don't understand it and the kids around them are understanding. And so, yeah, I love I keep going back to that model, but I love that model. <laughs> well, one of the ways that we implement that is that we have a policy that every assignment that the students do has to be corrected to 100%. Everything has to be right. And then when we do evaluations, in order to move on, they need to have at least 85% to move on. So we do have review and retake as much as needed. It's kind of like a repentance process, if you will. So that they can learn to, let's try again. We can do this. Let's do it again. We don't quit. We can do hard things. And they really learn to master things before they move on. I love that. And it's not a bad thing. You know, you, we make mistakes. Like you say, repentance is not a bad thing. You you get another chance. You can try again. And just that concept in their heads, even in the academics, I think is so important. So, yeah. 
that's just another example of the, the gospel principles being implemented through methods. It's just throughout everything that we teach, we just want to fill them with truth, the mm. whole truth, light, knowledge, as much as we can. We can't do that without God. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, you have some parents who travel quite a distance to come to your school, if I remember correctly. Can you talk a little bit about how far some of your parents come to attend White House Academy? We do have a neighboring community, Roosevelt, which is about a 40-minute drive to the West. And we do have families that have in the past and currently do attend from Roosevelt. So that's a little bit of a commute for them each way. But they have felt that it is worth it when they have a place to take their children that is as, um, what's the word, fulfilling, successful for them. It helps yeah. their children to succeed. It's worth it to them. Yeah, that's awesome. Most of our students do um, do come from Vernal, but we do have some that, that reach out to us about. Yeah. And what would you say to uh, the mom that maybe is living in another rural town who is looking for other options for their children um, that, you know, they just feel maybe the public school isn't serving their children the best that they can. What would you say to that mom that that's looking at that? <laughs> well, short of starting your own school, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think there are just a lot of opportunities nowadays with technology. I mean, the fact that we can meet face to face, and with screen sharing and the way that, that a lot of subjects can be taught and discussions can be had in groups, I think that the opportunities really are numerous and that there's no reason to feel like that you're stuck in an, an old school model or that your options are limited to the one that you've seen there forever. Um, and so I think that's one of the, the reasons I really admire what you two are doing with this podcast in creating an awareness for families to understand there are other options. There are ways yeah. to improve your child's education that you may not have thought about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think uh, what's important to go along with that um, is that the parents, the family is huge in the, going back to that, the education system, because before I started, I was scared and actually thought I wasn't smart enough to be <laughs> a homeschool mom. And you hear that quite a bit, like I'm not the professional, right? Mm -hmm. And it's almost breaking that barrier of you are smart enough, you know, and it's an, you can do it. It's an amazing experience and it doesn't have to look like the public model it. And actually it, it is a beautiful thing because you can very individualize it for your child and, yes. and they are finding these kids are succeeding really well outside of the model. So that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And one, th one thing I would add to what you just said is um, laws in Utah, the way that laws are currently written in Utah is you, you don't have to do all or nothing either. So you could homeschool three fourths of the time and be like, Hey, I have a high school student. I want him to take the AP calculus class from the local high school and, and have them do that. Like, so there, there are all these models or you can find some online classes. Um, we've talked a lot about how, White House Academy kind of came from American Heritage. American Heritage now has an online school, online curriculum that they're starting to build. So there are a lot of options that are out there that I think parents can uh, take advantage of to build something yeah. that fits their child. And I think yeah. that's a really important thing. 
Well, and I think what's been beautiful in Utah is we've talked to people too, is that everyone, you know, private sector is willing to help each other out to succeed there, that place coming from a place of plenty. And, and, you know, we had Adam Hellstone on a while ago of look for a successful model. Try not to create your own, look for the one that's succeeding and get support from them. And, you know, which it sounds like you did from American heritage. Yeah, that, that's a great idea is that we don't have to all start from scratch. And, yeah. you know, even out here, um, we have quite a good rapport with our public schools and we're able to do dual enrollment and cooperative things. We've Our school has joined with them in education summits, science fair, and, and other oh, kinds of activities that w- where we can work together. And so I think using the resources that we all have, like you said, and and looking for the best fit for each of our children is going to serve them well. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, we like to end our podcast um, with uh, a little bit of an off the wall question, but uh, one that we really enjoy. <laughs> we love is, we love to hear. <laughs> yeah. Who is one of your heroes from history and why? <laughs> well, the one that popped into my head is John Adams, just because I've been recently studying him again. Um, I think he doesn't give a, get a lot of credit. Um, as one of our founding fathers compared to some of the others. And the more I've studied his life, the more I think, you know, the Lord was trying to say something when he and Thomas Jefferson both died on the same day, and it was the 4th of July, and they were both equally important. And looking at um, John Adams' life in and his contribution to um, bringing forth this country that we have, I see a man who was inspired, who knew he was inspired, who literally said he was carried out in the spirit when he stood up and spoke as the most important voice in that debate of whether or not we would declare independence. He was the man who carried the day, the other delegates said of him. And so I just really admire his um, connection with heaven and his courage in speaking out when it wasn't easy, it wasn't popular and the sacrifices he was willing to make. And so I just, I think I would have to say today, he's my, my favorite hero. <laughs> no, I love that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And he had an amazing woman behind him. So yes, he did a great marriage. They did. Yeah, they did. Cause I, if I remember right, Thomas Jefferson and John Adams actually disagreed at one point and stopped communicating, you know, and then it was beautiful. They actually, which I think our day could use more where, they both apologized to each other. And Abigail had a big part of that, yeah. you know, and just that idea of, you know, at the end of the day, what is most important that they both came together and valued each other's friendship more than the disagreements and things like that. So. Such a good example. Um, so how can people find out more about White House Academy if they're interested in attending? So we have our website, it's whitehouseacademy.us, and you can go to our website, um, you can call, you can come in for a tour. Um, we do have dual enrollment options also for families who are interested in still keeping a foot in the door at the public school or at home. And so we do offer part-time options as well. Annalisa, thank you so much. It's been such a delight to speak with you today. Well, thank you. I love what you're doing. 
Thank you for listening to the Diamond Education Podcast. You can connect with us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Diamond Education, D-I-M-O-N-D, or on our website, diamondedcom